0: We do not worship Christmas on Christmas Day. It's, uh, I'm just being technical now, <laughs> because there was no Christmas Day until much later. But what was and what did happen was Adventus, the Latin for the coming or the arrival. And Jesus Christ arrived on earth as he had been predicted and anticipated and expected for some 4,500 years, give or take several hundred years, but um, he came. He arrived on the scene, and the main character in the story of Nicodemus is not Nicodemus and his befuddlement. The main character, as is in all Scripture, is the Lord Jesus Christ, for Nicodemus, A Pharisee and a ruler of Jews would not have come if there had not been someone to come to. It's always that God and His Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, is the initiator and we are responders. We love Him because He first loved us. He corrected His disciples. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And that's hard for our egos to take, but that's the reality that we face this morning. And it's a glorious reality. Why? Because we have a glorious God. We are a needy people. We are creatures. We are made from the dust of the earth. And we look to the one who in his love and condescension sent his son that we might be partakers of the divine nature, that we might have fellowship and enjoy the glory of the glorious God. Well, today's the last day of Advent. In Sunday school class, we've been going through a book by Sinclair Ferguson. Love came down. Meditations on Advent or the Coming of Christ. This morning I want to look at, let me count it, six things, and I'll try to keep it brief. We'll get home for lunch, I assure you. One, who came? Sounds simple. Who came? Two, when did he come? A little more tricky. This is not a trick question, but it's a little trickier. Uh, How did he come? Who came? When did he come? How did he come? Why did he come? And then what did he accomplish in his coming? And what has he promised? Well, who came? um, And I'm going to read some names here. I said, remember some of the names that were in those hymns, spring from Above. Uh, root of Jesse uh, son of David these these names but in the Old Testament these names apply not only to God we think of God the Father God the Son the Holy Spirit but they apply to Jesus and you can see the meaning of those names they all have a context we don't have time to go to each name and look at that context Uh, you're astute believers of the word and been in the church for a long time so you'll they'll come to your mind but we'll mention what they mean and you can see if you'll study Every one of these things fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, he's Elohim. In the beginning, Baruch Hashim, Elohim, created, Baruch, created the heavens and the earth. Um, Then we have Jehovah or Yahweh. Uh, I grew up with the King James Version. It was always Jehovah. I don't know when this took place and it became Yahweh, but you know who I'm talking about, the same person. God, the God of redemption, the God of revelation, the covenant making God. Adonai, which simply means master. The compound names of the Old Testament are El Elyon, the highest God, the most high God, the God above all gods. Uh, El Olam, the everlasting God. El Shaddai, the almighty God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. Oh, what a wonderful thought. If you don't know what that means, the Lord, our banner, Uh, read the Song of Solomon and the the relationship and the intimacy. So, Of course, this is found in Exodus, but what it means for the Lord God, creator of heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a banner, our banner, and a banner over us. Jehovah Shalom, Uh, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Shalom, of course, peace and prosperity. Uh, Jehovah Makadeshim, the Lord, our sanctifier, comes from the root word Kodesh, to set apart, to sanctify, to uh, all of the uh, articles, regular spoons and forks or whatever they used in the temple worship were Kodesh. They were made holy because they were set apart unto God. And he has set us apart unto himself. The Lord Jesus Christ is our sanctifier. Um, Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Psalm 23, 1. Uh, Jehovah Sekinu, the Lord, our righteousness. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus is your righteousness, that you can come before a thrice holy God without fear of judgment and wrath, because this righteous God has sent his Son who lived a perfect life, and now his righteousness is ours by faith. Uh, Lord Shema, the Lord is there. Lord Elohim, Israel, the Lord God of Israel. Then there are those prophetic names. These are uh, primary names and these are compound names. And then there we have certain prophetic names. Uh, the root of Jesse uh, and the promise of, uh, to Jesse that God would make him a house. And from his seed there would be one who would rule. His seed, this man, David, who was a shepherd of sheep an ordinary man through his lineage and through generation after generation there would come that would be one that would be born on the earth who was uh, God of gods and Lord of lords and yet a man of uh, the seed of David. Um, Isaiah prophesies, for unto you a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Daniel saw this vision, and I'll read it to you. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. we will see that this was one of Christ's favorite designations for himself. But look at this. He's referring, and it refers to a man. Uh, I think uh, Ezekiel was called the son of man. He's referred to the son of man. And yet it speaks to so much more, and Christ had this, I believe, in mind, this passage here. There came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not pass. Be destroyed. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God, a promise to you and I this morning that there is one who came, who arrived here on earth, and this is who he's speaking of. This is what the Scriptures are speaking of. Then in the New Testament, names, the name Jesus was given. He was uh, Joseph, Mary, they were commanded to name him Jesus, which simply means he shall, because he shall save his, peer, uh, his people. The people that God has given to him. You only have to go to the Old Testament and you find the Hebrew equivalent. I don't think Mary and Joseph, I don't know why I get sidetracked. They ever called Jesus, Jesus. They probably called him Yehoshua, Joshua, we, we would say today. But it simply means one Jehovah saves and he will save his people. Then there's the Logos. We covered that when we began this series in John, the eternal word of God. John the Baptist saw him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Our overall verse has been in John chapter 20 where it says these things, these signs are written that you might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might be saved in his name. We're covering these names are not meaningless. These names represent the character and the nature and the work Of the God who loved us and gave himself for us. One of the songs we sang, it mentioned this threefold name. He is is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our friend. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we've mentioned, the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of man. He is the beloved Son with whom the Father is well pleased. He's also not just named, but he's presented in the New Testament. First of all, let me read to you. um, He who was from the beginning, who was with God, was God. That's John chapter 1. But from Colossians, we read this description of him. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Brothers and sisters, this this Jesus is the god man as we will see he had all who came god came he he was an eternal spirit had a body prepared for him and he took on flesh and he dwelt among us hebrews says something similarly in chapter one it says he is the radiance of the glory of god the exact imprint of his nature revelation says he's the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on the earth. Again, he is a merciful and a faithful high priest in the service of God. So if we ask who came, a baby Jesus didn't come. God came. But then the next question was when did he come? We're going to get how he came in a minute, but when did he come? Well, I can narrow it down to with With the years of a lifespan, Because waiting in the temple was a a faithful Jew. Who had been waiting all his life with expectation. Knowing because he had been promised. That the Messiah would come before he died. Doesn't tell you in which year. We don't know when he died. But in that framework we know that the Lord Jesus Christ came. That's pretty close by way of designation when he came. But um, in the Old Testament, God set aside the seventh day as a day of worship, and He appointed seven feasts. I'm saying this because I'm not really a Scrooge and I'm not the Grinch when it comes to Christmas, and I believe. And I don't make. I'm not trying to make a big issue of it. He didn't come on Christmas Day and all of this sort of thing that a lot of people do. You know, Christ mass. No, He came, and we're talking about His advent, His arrival. But God's not opposed to time. In fact, he set forth the seventh day. And then he set and established seven feasts. Let me name them for you. God established uh, seven feasts of remembrance, worship, and fellowship and celebration. There was first in the springtime, there was the feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, the Feast of Firstfruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths. It's a wonderful study to see how Christ is pictured in these, in these feasts. But God is celebratory. You don't know, have to read through the Psalms. There are lament and imprecatory Psalms there, but there are Psalms of great praise and celebration of joy as one looks to the, to the eternal God and, and recognizes the relationship that we can have with him and celebrates in joy. In the early church, only one day was set apart and distinguished, and that was the first day, which we have already said, the day of resurrection. But over time, we have celebrated and we have recognized, and even today, I can celebrate with you and celebrated with my family last night, the coming, the arrival, that which we have said, saints of old waited with anticipation What's the title of my sermon? Anybody noticed? Great Expectations. Okay, from uh, Charles Dickens' story. Pip was waiting and anticipating a day that he would have money. But we, these saints of old, were looking for the time and the coming of the Messiah, the anointed of God. But the verse that I'll use a couple of times here on a, to answer these questions is this. In Galatians 4:4, we read, But... When the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. And I want to emphasize again uh, by side note here that God sent forth his Son. This is a triune work. The Father sent his Son. The Son was born and cradled in a manger and the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary and provided for us the God-man. In the fullness of time, scholars don't know exactly what that means. There's a lot of speculation. The Rome, uh, Pax Romano. It was just a good time for the Lord to come. No, from eternity past, God had it in his mind. And if it depended on conditions, God provided those conditions, as he does in all of our lives. Our days are appointed. I went to a funeral last week and I don't think I've ever heard this text used. It was from Psalm 139. And he they were talking a lot about the person. <laughs> but he said, he said about this person that, like the psalmist, he was knit together in his mother's womb. God had known him, had always known him, and that his days were numbered. You take this was this was offered as a comfort. This man had just died. His, his number was up. But the promise and the comfort was this, that God had numbered, God had created, God had formed. God knew uh, this individual. Do you take delight in knowing this morning that God knows you? He knows us all. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. But he knows you as an individual because he made you. He formed you. Things that perhaps I don't like about myself, but I have to realize God made me the way he wanted me to be. There may be some things uh, because of the fall. I don't, I don't know. But, but God, through the fall, is at work doing his will. And we should take great comfort. So in the fullness of time, when the time was right for God's purposes, he sent forth his son. And as I said again, it was a time of great expectation. He was begotten. <clears throat> and we, and we have just read We have just read let me okay that's the bulletin and we'll go through that again excuse me i'm sorry it was a time of great expectation we've already mentioned uh, simeon waiting in the temple and let me just read he says the lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And of course, there was a prophet of who had faithfully, these people were people of anticipation. The the populace as a whole was waiting with anticipation uh, for the coming of a Messiah. What did they ask John? It was in our first chapter, John, are you the Christ? Are you the promised one? Are you the Messiah? Well, John said, no, I'm not the Messiah. And then later on, another gospel, gospel, John's in prison and he sends his disciples to Jesus and said, Are you the Christ? Are you the one that, or should we look for another? And if you remember, he quotes, Jesus quotes Isaiah, go back and tell him this, that I have come to preach the gospel. the All of these miraculous signs that he was doing. He had given signs and wonders and and, and prophesied how he would come, and Jesus fulfilled it. I'm just simply saying there was a time of great expectation and anticipation. But how he came, okay, we've looked at who came. The eternal God came in flesh, Uh, he took on flesh and he dwelt among us. That's who came. When he came was in the fullness of time, God's appointed time. How did he come? Again, we'll read from Galatians 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. We don't have time to expound all of this, but this is simply saying that he was human, and he had the obligations of every, every person that he bumped shoulders with. He was obligated to keep the law of God. He was born under the law, and he kept the law, the only human being. He was an always-like man except without sin. Therefore, he was qualified as a God-man to bear our sins upon the tree and to bestow upon us who believe in him his righteousness. He was promised, Genesis 3.15, I will put in me between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Born of a woman, Isaiah 7, we read. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you would weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. We've been going through the signs in the book of John, but they were signs in the signs now. This was not the end, but these are signs pointing to something in the future. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and her son and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. He took on flesh and he dwelt set up his tent and tabernacled with us. Of course, the synoptics give us the account of the angel's proclamation to Mary that, and she says, how can I bear a child? I know no man. And she was comforted with the words that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This thing is from God. It's a miraculous thing. It's a supernatural thing. Hard for modern man to believe with its science, but then we put our, we put our faith in so many silly things so much more silly, but anyhow. So he came, how he came? He came as a human being, the God-man. And we read this, uh, we read this in what we quoted. Let me read it to you again. Begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of the essence as the Father and of the same essence of the father this is the one who came this is the one who came and became a man took on flesh in the hebrews it says a body you have prepared for me and willingly he embraced that body a body that could suffer that could feel hunger that could feel disappointment all of these things that we as human beings go through his body and in his flesh, he was able to identify with us that he might be a merciful and a gracious high priest. This is not theory for him. This is reality for him. And yet he came through it without sin. So we've gone through who came, how he came, now why he came. Again, we'll turn to Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, and he came, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Now, it's a wonderful thing this morning to know that our sins have been forgiven. And what we mean by that is that one day, and we, we sang it or read it somewhere, we're going we're gonna to have to give an account for what we've done and who we are. And to know that we are covered by the blood of Christ and we are dressed in His righteousness, not just that we won't go to hell, which is a wonderful thing. If that were the only reason, that's reason enough, okay? I, I get it. But listen to what it says. That... Uh, So that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now what thrills my soul is any doctrine, any sermon that deals with the majesty and the glory, the eternality, the character of an omnipotent God, an omniscient God, an immutable God. All of those things that I'm not. Because that's the kind of big God that I need. Because I know my frailty. But to know that that God uh, is my heavenly father. And I don't, I don't mean in a sentimental way, but in a, in a thanksgiving, faithful way that I can come to the creator of the universe through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he cares. If, what does he say? If you being evil know how to give gifts to your children, how much more does God know how to give good gifts? Why he came? He came to redeem us from our sins, to save sinners. <clears throat> And I'm not going to read every text, but I will read a few. To save sinners. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus, and here's that word, came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of whom I am foremost. I've often thought to myself, who am I to argue with Apostle Paul? But if there was one thing that I would argue with Apostle Paul about, who is is the foremost among sinners, and I would concede to him, though it would be hard for me to comprehend knowing who I have been and what I would be apart from his grace. He came to bring light to a dark world. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Are you in darkness? If you are, you probably don't know it. <laughs> That's the nature of darkness. It blinds. And when he's talking about darkness, he's just talking about the ignorance of who we are and what we are apart from Christ. He came to remove the deception of Satan so that we might come to and see the light. To be made like his people, to bear witness to the truth. Pilate asked him about truth, and he says, So you are a king, Jesus answered. You say that I am a king. For this purpose, for this purpose, I was born and for this, excuse me, (laughs) for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Another question for you here and for those who might be watching, are you of the truth? Are you listening to his voice? Is his word, his eternal word precious to you so that you open it up and say, I don't understand it all, but this is God's word to me. He's speaking to me. And then say, Lord, what I don't understand, you have given your Holy Spirit as a guide and as a teacher. Open my eyes that I might see you in your word, that in seeing you in story and in doctrine, that in seeing you, I might worship you, that I might praise you. And then out of that, that I might serve you. He came to destroy the devil and his works. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He came to give eternal life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He gave his flesh, his flesh, this human body was nailed to a Roman cross. And his blood was poured out. To demonstrate his humility, in the 13th chapter of John we read, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from the Father and was going back to the Father. This is before his, his hours approaching. He was heading to the cross, and he has his faithful disciples, those that he chose in the upper room. And knowing this, this was the condition. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. It says this. He was going back. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, and he washed. He washed his disciples' feet. He took the form of a servant. And then he tells them later, you don't understand these things now, but you'll understand them. And he says, I've set an example that you should do the same thing to others. Brothers and sisters, because Christ has washed us with his blood and we come Sunday after Sunday or Wednesday or whatever to be washed again, the filth of the world as we trod through it, we're to wash one another's feet. And that simply is a matter of encouraging and pointing to a person in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. To preach the gospel, I preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. To bring judgment, Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see (coughs) may see, and those who see may become blind. To serve and give a life as a ransom for many, for even the Son of Man came not to be served. He came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He came to fulfill the prophets and the law. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He fulfilled them, the law and the prophets in obedience, but he also fulfilled every single prophecy. Every prediction of his coming. How hard it was for his disciples never understood that he must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer and die. Aren't we thankful that we live on the other side? They're thankful they lived on the other side of the resurrection. That we might see and that we might know that he has come according to the word. Then finally, uh, oh, he, he came to call sinners to repentance. And we'll start with this. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We've been going through Romans, and he says, while we were yet sinners, God loved us. Jesus, what a friend to sinners. Uh, What a wonderful thought. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me for this hour, but for this purpose, the hour, the hour of his death. For this purpose, I have come to this hour. Well, we could go on. He came to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. He came to bind the brokenhearted. He came to be a merciful high priest. He came to be the second Adam uh, to satisfy our deepest thirst by giving us the Holy Spirit of uh, artesian well of water springing up with all satisfaction. That's what He came to do. I ask you now, what did He accomplish? Let me say, He accomplished everything. Everything that He set out to accomplish, brothers and sisters. As I look out this morning, I see that Jesus accomplished what he came to do. I can look out, and I've known some of you for years now, and I know your faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know you when you were, well, I don't know when you were at your most wicked point, and thankfully you don't know me when I was there, but I can tell that i rub rubbed shoulders with you, and I see a people who are hungry. And we confess our sins one to another all of the time, and this is a big conversation that we have. Where's our accent and our focus? And one brother says, uh, Robert Murray McShane's, for every look at my sin, give me ten looks at Christ. Let's not minimize the work and the accomplishments of Christ that he has done in the lives of his saints. And... Uh, Chuck's been going through Thessalonians and I'm glad because there he talks about what God has done in the life of these believers. But what else has he accomplished? First Corinthians, for, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that although he was rich, he became poor for your sakes so that you by his poverty should become rich. Now I'm not talking about, you know what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about money but i'm talking about peace and joy and satisfaction and hope and expectation and purpose of life that goes beyond uh, the uh, banal things of this earth the mundane things of this earth we are rich and oh and part of the richness of my, of my life is is my family and my wife, and your wife, and your family, and your life, and your children, and your friends, and your brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the riches. We are the saints. We are the inheritance of Christ. We are co-heirs with him, and part of that inheritance is the body of Christ. You remember the story of uh, separation of the sheep and the goats? When did I do this, and when did I do that? And you felt I was hungry and all of this. He said, when you've done this, For the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. We are the body of Christ. We love Christ by loving each other. He freed us from the sins by his blood. He's made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. He came and he made propitiation, satisfaction. God is satisfied. There's nothing more that you can do that I can do that anybody can do for us to satisfy the righteous demands of God. He is a, even say it, a propitiation. He is a satisfaction to God. For because He himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then for because he himself oh wait, I just read that He revealed to us the Father and all that the Father has given. He came and he has glorified the Father. He said, they have, his disciples in John 17, he said, I have made you known to them and they know that I am sent by you. They know. He he accomplished in his life his purposes. All right. What has he promised? We're celebrating today the first advent, but there's another advent. There's coming a day when Christ will physically set foot upon this earth. And we will see him physically, face to face. But more than that, all of the radiant character of this glorified Christ, we will be changed. We will be able to know, even as we can't fathom right now as we look in a, in a mirror dimly, but then it will be changed. Is it wrong <laughs> to be excited and long for that day? To to to. That day when he comes... And I will never be ashamed of anything ever, ever again. I will never be embarrassed of something stupid I said or a sin that I committed. I will be changed. That will be glory to be sinless. Revelation says in in the... uh, And we'll finish with this. Three times in Revelation 22, he repeats this refrain. And he has some other really important things. But for our purposes... Coming, arrival, advent, these are important. Verse 7, and behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Revelation twenty-two twelve. 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. And finally, in Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I, surely I am coming soon. Amen. And all God's people said, come Lord Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Which means let it be. And he said, come Lord Jesus. The grace, and then he finishes this way, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's sing together. We've said, come Lord Jesus, come now long, come oh, come oh, Emmanuel. Joy to the world, the Lord has come.